Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is July 1st, 2019. This is Shannon, and I am here with an interview with author Claire McIntosh, followed by your guide to the new releases coming out the week of July 2nd, 2019. So this is going to be hopefully a really cool episode. I had a lot of fun interviewing Claire McIntosh. She is a wonderfully insightful person. So I hope you enjoy the interview. And of course, there are many, many new things for you to put on your TBR list. Um, so I don't want to ramble on too long before actually getting to the meat of the episode. So I will start off with the housekeeping information. First of all, we have added a couple of new people to the Book Bistro team. So please say hello to Min and Kristen. You'll be hearing from them um, over the next couple of weeks. And as always, you can find us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. Once you're there, you can like and or follow the page. You can also join our Facebook listener group where you can hang out with us as well as with other listeners of the podcast. If you want to reach us via Twitter, you can do that at bistro underscore book. And if email is your preferred way of communicating, you can send us a message at thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So now it is time for you to hear the fantastic Claire McIntosh interview. I read um, her new book after the end, and it was phenomenal. There are no spoilers, so if you have not read it yet, um, you can definitely hear the interview without fear. All right, on with the interview. Welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and I am so excited to be here today with Claire McIntosh. I have read all three of her previous novels, as well as the latest one, which just came out here in the U.S. on June 25th, and it's called After the End, and I loved it so, so much. So Claire, I'm really, really happy that you were able to join me today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Very welcome. So After the End is quite a departure for you from your usual brand of psychological thriller. So I'm wondering if you could start out by giving readers a bit of an introduction to what they'll encounter while reading After the End. Yes, sure. So After the End is a book about a couple, Max and Pip, who are faced with a heartbreaking decision. Their son, Dylan, is critically ill in intensive care. He has profound disabilities as a result of his illness. And Max and Pip are faced with the decision to make about whether they should continue with treatment or let him die. And they don't agree. So can you talk a little bit about what made you decide to not write a thriller this time and write a book that is 
so very, very different from what you've written in the past? This is a book, Shannon, that I have wanted to write for 12 years, um, long before I wrote my debut thriller, I Let You Go. Um, it stems from a, a period in my life where my own son was in intensive care and he had very severe disabilities as a result of an illness and uh, we were asked to make the decision that Max and Pip had to make in this novel. And I remember um, speaking to the doctor, uh, we, we were taken to a room called The Quiet Room um, and there's a scene in the book where, where Pip um, and Max refer to The Quiet Room and, and call it The Crying Room because no, no good news is ever delivered there. And I, God, I hated that room so much. And we stood there with the doctor and I knew that something bad was about to happen. And the doctor said, we need you to decide. Um, and I was suddenly gripped by a fear that I wouldn't want the same thing as my husband. Um, and, and there was no basis for that fear, really, except for the fact that, like most couples, we disagreed on all sorts of things and none of them had ever mattered. But now they did matter and mm -hmm. there would be no compromise to be had. And the doctor, when I asked her what would happen if, if we didn't agree, she said, you, you have to. The alternative is unthinkable. And in After the End, what I wanted to do was write about the unthinkable. So was this a difficult book for you to write, given your personal connection to it? Or did it work as kind of a cathartic experience for you? I think both those things, it, it, it was emotionally difficult in um, it, it, some, some scenes I, I found incredibly hard to write because I, because I wanted to recreate for the reader the, the sense of immersion that one has when one's in intensive care. The, um, it, it's such an intense environment. And in recalling that atmosphere and in recalling the emotions that I went through during that period of time, it, it was really painful. But the the title of the novel is After the End. Um, and it, it's really a, a book not about a tragedy, but about what happens afterwards. And it was that afterwards that I found incredibly cathartic. So it enabled me to explore the way that we choose which path to take and to explore how we we find a new way to be happy and by the end of the book I I felt really far more peaceful than I've felt in in 12 years. I think it's really really awesome that you were able to turn something that was so very difficult for you into something so insightful and meaningful and vivid that has the potential to touch so many people's lives. You know, our own personal experiences don't always do that, but when we put them out there for the world to consume, we then are, are vulnerable in a, a new and, and different way. I think, I, I think you're right. And, and in, in writing this book um, and, and actually listening to the responses, the reading the, the reviews and, and the messages I've had from readers, What's been interesting is that although not everyone has necessarily had a decision to make that's been so obviously life or death, we, we've all had decisions to make that 
had the potential to change our lives. And sometimes it's something as simple as whether we take a job or not, whether we embark on a relationship, whether we move state. But whichever decision we make, the, the path that we then follow will be different. And it's been incredible to hear people's stories about their own defining moments in their lives. So let's talk a little bit about the style that you chose to use while telling the story of Pip and Max. In the first half of the book, things are, are relatively straightforward. We see things from the perspectives of Pip and Max, as well as from one of the doctors. But then things kind of begin to diverge and we see things exploring two different timelines. Um, two different paths. And so I'm wondering what prompted you to write it that way instead of choosing an outcome? Was it the actual need to explore what both outcomes might look like? Or was there a different motive for choosing this particular style of storytelling? It's always been the structure that I've wanted to take for, for this novel. Um, I, uh, I I remember as a, a child reading, um, really loving a series of books called Choose Your Own Adventure. I don't know. Ah, if, yes. Do you have, did you have them in, in the States? So, we do. Great. So I loved them. And, and I used to keep my fingers in all the different pages. You know, you'd, you'd make these decisions if you want the, the hero to go into the scary cave, go to page 74. And, and I'd have all these different endings bookmarked so that I could try and read them all. Um, and back back in that hospital 12 years ago, I remember going outside, standing in the car park and calling my father, who was a doctor. And he said, uh, you, you need to imagine what both paths will look like. You, you need to put yourself five years, 10 years down the road uh, with Alex and you need to do the same without him and visualise what life is going to be like for you and for him. And I was reminded of a poem that I've always loved called The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. And oh, yes. he talks about um, standing in, uh, in a yellow wood and looking down two different paths. And he says, um, he says, sorry, I could not travel both and be one traveller. He wants to see what's at the end of the road before he takes his choice. And of course, we, we can't do that in in real life. But I can do it in fiction. And that's what I've done in After the End is I've traveled both roads. It's definitely a different reading experience than you have with most other types of books, especially since we are moving kind of back and forth between these two realities, um, one that Pip envisions and one that Max does. And I think it definitely takes some getting used to just to kind of allow yourself to fluidly move between them and not get bogged down and like, okay, but wait, now if this happened and Max is here and Pip is here, like how, how does this actually work? Um, but emotionally, I found it just so impactful. Um, and so I'm glad, even though I, I wasn't sure at first when I started to read it, I was like, I, I don't know, like if I can wrap my head around this. And I was eventually able to, and I loved it so much, partly, I think, because I wasn't sure if it would work for me. And it ended it, up working it, so well. 
Thank you. I think it is a challenging structure. Um, it does require the reader to focus, to think, to put themselves in the shoes of Max and then Pip. And it's challenging because it's it, it's challenging your own decision making and your own moral code um, and thoughts around who is making the right decision. So let's talk about Layla. Oh, I love Layla. Yes, Layla, <laughs> I feel like kind of helps this book um, come alive in a totally different way because it made perfect sense to me in the beginning that we would see things from the perspectives of both Max and Pip. But then we started seeing things from Leela and I was like, wow, I had never considered how something like this might affect a medical professional. Mm. Um, you know, you hear about the doctors and how they are often changed by some of the cases that they come in contact with, but you don't ever like see that in, in fiction, at least I haven't so far. So no. how was it that you came to insert Layla into the story? Well, there, there was a really, a really fundamental reason actually why, why she came about initially. And, and that was a, um, a, a, a sort of plot requirement in a way. When, when you write, as I've done in this novel, from the point of view um, in the first person, so, you, so you're inside the head of first Max and, and then Pip, it's great in terms of putting the reader in their shoes and, and understanding what they're going through, but it has its limitations. And one of those limitations is that the reader can only see what Pip and or Max sees. And actually for the novel, I needed another perspective. I needed to, to be able to narrate scenes that perhaps the the um the parents weren't there for so initially it was just a, a sort of um a practical thing and then when Layla arrived because she sort of arrived fully formed in my head I realized that actually there was so much more than that that I thought back to when we were in intensive care and the way that I had perhaps thought at times that for all that the doctors and nurses were compassionate that it was just a job at, at the end of the day. Um, and we were the ones who um, who were breaking our hearts over our son. And then the more I thought about it and the more I thought about my own background as a police officer, I, and I remembered how much of that job I had taken home with me and how heartbroken I'd been when I'd been to particularly difficult or upsetting cases. And so I then wanted to show how those cases affect a medical professional. And I wanted to show how they have their own home lives and their own difficulties um, that they have to leave behind when they come to work. She's, um, Leila's Iranian, and that was really important as well because of all the doctors who saved my life um, in hospital on more than one occasion and who saved the lives of my children, very few were British born um, uh, and I wanted to pay tribute to all the doctors and nurses from around the world who work so hard. I think there is a canine in your life also paying tribute. I am tribute. so sorry. <laughs> That's I, okay. Know, I'd, love, I'd love to sort of go and um, ask him to be quiet but I'm not sure it's going to help. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We uh, There are about eight of us who do different tasks on the podcast and we have between us 
something like 11 dogs and three cats, four cats. So there are, you know, periodically um, a meow or a bark (laughs) or a... Well, that just makes it more, more human, doesn't it? More real. It's true. It's true. So, yes, I did really enjoy seeing Layla's perspective, and I loved the added depth that we were given, because you're right, we could see things then that neither Pip nor Max would know, and that yeah. was really helpful. I, I think what I also liked about it was that it gave me the opportunity to show the disconnect between the way somebody behaves and the way that they feel. Mm-hmm. And so we see this, um, we, we see through Layla's eyes how various patients behave. We see grateful parents, uh, we see angry parents, um, and Layla is very perceptive and, and mostly she can see behind the um, the anger um, to, to see something something else. But with Max, what we're able to then see is how he presents to a doctor which sometimes can be quite belligerent, quite uh, forceful. And then the next chapter, we might be in Max's perspective and we see him crying in a a hotel swimming pool and we realise how he's on his knees. So what is next for you? Do we go back to thriller territory, which I love, or do we day kind of in this new vein which I also love <laughs> I love them both too uh, and I'm hoping actually I, I won't have to choose um, I, I too can follow two paths so I, I actually have a psychological thriller um, coming out uh, very soon that, that I, I wrote collaboratively so um, oh can I, we talk about that for a moment I think, I think we can I think we can I'm just I was actually hesitating because I couldn't quite remember if we could, but I think we can talk about it. Um, so I, this is something that has been um, commissioned by um, the US uh, firm Serial Box, who deliver serialized fiction. Um, it's a bit like a, a Netflix, but for books. And I worked on a psychological thriller um, called The Understudy with Sophie Hanna, who I'm sure lots of your listeners will read, um, B.A. Paris, who wrote Behind Closed Doors, and um, American writer Holly Brown. And so the four of us um, brainstormed a story and we each took a character and off we went and wrote a novel together. So it's it's really exciting um, and it will be uh, available very soon. I was looking up, I always make a list for my team of books that are coming out like in the upcoming months so that we can like look ahead and see, okay, you know, what are we excited about? What do we want to talk about? And that book was on that list. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, wait, I've seen like two people write a book before. I think I've even seen three people write a book, but here are four people. And they... it's, it's a bit crazy. Um, yeah. But but it was so much fun. And what what you end up with then is... Um, a story where the characters truly have um, individual voices because they have quite been written by four different authors. Um, So that's really fun. Um, And uh, so I'm certainly not turning my back on on psychological thrillers, but I think that ultimately a a good story is a good story. And as a reader, I'm not faithful to any particular genre. I'm quite happy to 
read crime one week and then historical fiction the next and a romance the next. Um, and so as a writer, what interests me is putting ordinary people in extraordinary situations and whether I'm doing that because the extraordinary situation is a crime or whether it's as in uh, the case of After the End, uh, a, a tragedy and a, a difficult decision, it actually, for me, doesn't matter. What matters is compelling characters and a page-turning story, and that's what I plan to carry on writing. So do you have a solo project that you're working on now, or are you still kind of mired in the um, the co-written Novel. I'm finding I'm actually finding it very difficult to move on from Pip and Max oh. because they feel so real and what they've been through feels so real that I I can't get them out of my head. Um, I am though writing uh, I've just finished writing actually the first draft of what I hope I think will be my fifth solo novel. Um, which is, it's not a crime novel, but it is about a crime. It's a, a novel about a police officer who is uh, in the process of searching, detaining a member of the public when that man dies and the police officer is charged with manslaughter. Oh, um, yes, yes, yes. So there's a, it, it, it's, as I said, it's not a, it's not a whodunit mystery. Um, it's, an exploration of how one incident can devastate two people's lives. The story is told from the point of view of the girlfriend of the man who dies and the wife of the police officer. And they have a lot in common in a very bizarre, different way. Okay, this is amazing. And I wish that it were available like right <laughs> now. Well, I'm because thinking, you know, I think this is the first time I've talked about it. So it's really nice to test it out because it's just living in my head at the moment so I'm glad you like the idea I I am I'm terrible I think authors must hate me because I just sit here and I think like okay I want this now and this now (laughs) and this and this and this and oh why are you taking so long oh it's so hard though it really is oh and I I appreciate you know so much that people do not just have these novels like in their heads just sort of waiting to come bursting forth um and so I've definitely you know I try so hard to be respectful of people's process but as a reader I'm just like oh but this looks so good like why why can't I have it (laughs) well you're just gonna have to wait Shannon it's true it's true I I need to be better at that so have you read anything lately that you are absolutely in love with we are very big on book recommendations here and I have found over the past few months that authors most of them have fantastic recommendations well I I mean I I read so much I've just read an incredible book called The Other Half of Augusta Hope which I adored um I what else have I read um I did two Jodie Pikus back to back and loved both of them. So I read Ooh, which ones? Uh, Small Great Things and then A Spark of Light. Ooh, um, okay. I love them both. She so, so Jodie Piku is my ultimate literary hero. I um, I absolutely adore her writing. Um, uh, so yes, read those. Um, what else have I read? Ruth Ware, 
yes. um, a favourite author. So I haven't yet read, so I, I um, not long ago loved The Death of Mrs. Westaway. Oh, and so I beautiful. Gothic. A copy of the, um, the Turn of the Key, which is her new one um, out um, in a month or two, I think. So that's next up to read. So is that out in the UK yet or does it? No, that's that's coming out next month as well. But I've got um, I've just got hold of a copy, an early copy. Yes, I have um, an advanced copy of it as well. I I love advanced copies. They they make my life. It's such a treat. So fantastic. Yes. Such a treat to have them. Yes, I, I was very, very pleased to get. I actually had an advanced audio copy of After the End. And oh, I brilliant. loved it so much. You, like the narrators were fantastic. Did you have um, a say in casting them? I did, yes. Um, and we cast Pip very quickly, and we cast um, Layla fairly quickly. I my, my prerequisite with Layla was that we so, so Layla's um, Iranian, and my prerequisite was that we had somebody um from a similar background so i i specifically didn't want a british or an american um white author uh, actor voicing her um her chapters mm-hmm. um so i was really pleased with the actress we found for layla um it was harder to find somebody for max because it was really important that he has a vulnerability Yes. And um, and so unusually, so normally when when I'm when, when you're casting for audiobooks, you you listen to other books that they've done, you listen to you know effectively a showreel, and you choose from that. But all the showreels, um, all all the audio that they'd done, it was very strong. It was very masculine. There was lots oh. of you know crime novels where they were really strong guys. And I needed to hear some more vulnerability. So actually, we asked the actors to read a scene where Max does show some some vulnerability. And it was very moving, actually, to, to listen to um, to them read those those pages. And then we chose someone really great. And I think they do a fantastic job. So do you have a different cast for the UK audio versus the US? I know that that's sometimes a thing. That no, they... it's the same. Oh, good, because yep. they were so wonderful. They are great. No, absolutely the same. And um, and and the book is is the same. We made very few changes to the U.S. edits. You know, quite often you change a little bit for just to help understanding. You know, if the terms are very British, but there was very little to change. And I don't. Um, uh, I I was quite insistent about something, which was that we retained um so in the uk edition max so max is american i don't think we've said that max is from chicago and in the uk edition all max's chapters are um written in american english with american spelling oh american spelling um and uh and pips are written in british english and so in the us edition we've kept that so oh good who read the US copy of After the End will notice that every time Pip is talking, her words are written in British English. Um, and it, and it's partly because I, you know, that's where they're from. And I, I quite liked the idea of doing that. But I also liked the fact that here is a couple who are separated 
by this gulf, this huge decision that has torn them apart, this huge gap in their connection now. Uh, and I liked the fact that that was reflected by this separation, you know, of an ocean where Max is back in America, of uh, of a language which is the same and yet so different. That that is very very awesome and something that I did not know since I had um, an audio copy. <laughs> well, Claire, I want to thank you so incredibly much for chatting with me today. Um, I, I was really excited to have the opportunity to talk with you and even more so after I read your book because it was amazing. It is definitely one of my top reads of this year so far. Um, so thank you so much for writing it and thank you so much for talking with me and kind of letting listeners see a little bit of what went into creating it. It's been absolutely lovely talking to you, Sang. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome, and I will definitely keep an eye out for new books from you. <laughs> I hope we get to talk again soon. Me too. And now it's time to talk about new books, because it's one of my favorite things to do. So as always, this is not a comprehensive list of new releases. This is a list of things that are either of interest to me, to one or more of my fabulous co-hostesses, or just things that I think would be of interest to the general listening audience of Book Bistro. If there's something that you're particularly looking forward to and I haven't mentioned it, please drop me a message somewhere and let me know. Um, the more I hear from people, the more I kind of know how to curate these lists and give you the information that you want most. So the first few books are books that have been mentioned by people in our most anticipated uh, books of June, I'm sorry, July episode. I don't know the month apparently. Um, so the first one is The Flight Girls by Noelle Salazar. And this is historical fiction set during World War II about female pilots. You can hear more about that from Natalie. Another book that Natalie was looking forward to is Protect the Prince, and it's the second book in the Crown of Shards series by Jennifer Estep. I have book one, um, which is called Kill the Queen, here to read, and I'm hoping to get to it soon because it looks so, so good. And then, Brooke was looking forward to Pretty Revenge by Emily Liebert, which I read just this past weekend and really, really loved. So definitely pick that up if you love a good revenge-based psychological thriller. And now let's talk about books that have not been mentioned before. First up is a book that came out today, actually, so July 1st. This is False Step by Victoria Helen Stone, and it's a thriller about a man who finds a boy who has gone missing. And he does a good deed, he thinks this is fantastic, but a lot of things start to happen to him, and these things are, are bad. And then some secrets come to light about the boy's disappearance, and things get a whole lot darker. 
I have read one other book by this author and I did enjoy it. So I'm hoping that this one turns out to be good as well. This again is False Step by Victoria Helen Stone. And another thriller out on the first is Deceive Me by Karen Cole. And this is a thriller um, as well. And it's about a woman who is trying to find the truth about her missing teenage daughter. But in the process, her own secrets come to light. So that's not a good situation, I imagine. Um, but I hope that it makes for a good story. This is Deceive Me and it's by Karen Cole. And I have to interrupt myself to say that there is um, a very hungry feline meowing in the background. So if you hear that, um, I apologize. Okay, now moving on to books actually coming out on July 2nd. The first one is a memoir. Um, and I'm not always a fan of these, but Jill Grunwald is one of the hostesses of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. And apparently she had worked for a couple of years as a prison librarian and wrote a book about it. So this is Reading Behind Bars, a true story of literature, law, and life as a prison librarian. And it is by Jill Grunwald. Um, it looks really, really excellent from the synopsis. I heard her do an interview today um, talking about the book. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be one of the few nonfiction books that I read this year. And once again, it is Reading, Behi Reading Behind Bars, a true story of literature, law, and life as a prison librarian by Jill Grunwald and historical romance, because that is a wonderful thing. Mary Ballow is releasing the sixth book in her Westcott series. This is called Someone to Honor. And the Westcott series follows a family and kind of the fallout of what turns out to be a bigamous marriage. Um, and finally, this is Abigail's story. So if you've been following the series and you are familiar with Abigail, we finally get to watch her. Uh, get her well-deserved happily ever after. So this is Someone to Honor, Westcott, book six by Mary Ballow. Next up is a book called The Best Lies, and the author is Sarah Liu. And it's compared to Gone Girl, and also something called Suicide Notes from Beautiful Girls. And it's the story of a toxic friendship. I don't know much more than that, but I definitely want to check it out. So it is The Best Lies by Sarah Liu. And British novelist Kaz Freer is releasing the second book in her Cat Kinsella series. This is called Stone Cold Heart. And I don't know a ton about it. I have seen some really positive reviews of the author's standalones. And I honestly didn't know that she was writing a series until I saw that this book was coming out. Um, but I'm always a fan of new British psychological thrillers. I think British people write some of the best ones out there. So I'm hoping that this um, series will be as good as it sounds from the um, few reviews I've read of the author's work. So this again is Stone Cold Heart, and it's Kat Kinsella, book two, 
by Kaz Freer. And we'll throw in a bit of contemporary romance here for good measure. This is Rays, and it's book three in the Riven series by Rowan Parrish. And this is, um, like I said, contemporary romance between two men. I have heard fantastic things about this author's writing. I'm not a huge contemporary romance fan, but I know that a lot of people enjoy them, so I did want to mention this here. And it is Rays, Riven 3 by Rowan Parrish. And a bit of romantic suspense now, just to keep things interesting. Laura Griffin is best known for her Tracer series, but she has recently come out with something new. This is the second novel in her Wolf Security series. The book is called Her Deadly Secret. I have never read Griffin, um, although I am a fan of romantic suspense, so it's something that I should probably at least check out at some point soon. I've heard really good things about the research that she does for her Tracers books. So if you enjoy some kind of well-plotted, well-researched romantic suspense, this might be an author for you to try. Once again, it's Her Deadly Secrets, Wolf Security, book two by Laura Griffin. So airports, this is summer, people travel. Um, my next book is called Layover, and it's by David Bell. And yes, it's about airports and a chance meeting in an airport that has far-reaching consequences for one man and his family. Um, I have really enjoyed several of Bell's past books. Um, his 2018 release, Someone Else's Daughter, was super, super great, and this one looks really good as well. So it's Layover, and the author is David Bell. And the third book by novelist Riley Sager, which is called Lock Every Door, is out this week. It is a thriller with some tinges of horror, and apparently it was inspired by Rosemary's Baby. I sat down and talked with Mr. Sager earlier today, so stay tuned in a few weeks for that interview. And the book is called Lock Every Door, and once again, it is by Riley Sager. This next book intrigues me for a lot of reasons. It's called Impossible Music, and the author is Sean Williams. It's a young adult novel about a teen musician who ends up losing his hearing, and he wants to still be connected to the world of music, so he decides that he is going to create a new type of music that does not rely on sound. I'm not quite sure how that will work, but I am definitely eager to find out. This, once again, is Impossible Music, and the author is Sean Williams. And some more thrillers, because they make me happy. We have The Liar's House, and this is the fourth book in the Detective Gina Hart series by Carla Kovac. And this is a British kind of police procedural with little bits of psychological suspense thrown in. I read the first book in this series last year and found it really, really gripping. I have not picked up the others in the series just because I've had a lot of things to read, but they're definitely on my list. So I wanted to mention this here in case some of you have gotten further in the series than I've been able to. 
Again, it's called The Liar's House, and it is Gina Hart, book four by Carla Kovac. And this one is pretty timely, I think. It's called Temper. The author is Lane Fargo, and it asks the question, what happens when fake violence draws real blood? And if you want to know what happens, you will have to read it. Once again, it's Temper by Lane Fargo. This next book is literary fiction with a little bit of suspense thrown in. It's We Went to the Woods by Kate Dolan Leach. She wrote a book a couple of years ago called Dead Letters um, that I read and enjoyed. This is about a group of five friends. They seem to be kind of in their early 20s. They decide that they're going to go off the grid and live in kind of a commune that they create. Um, apparently a lot of things go wrong with this. So it once again is We Went to the Woods and the author is Kate Dolan Leach. So if you like books centered around schools, this next one will be for you. It's The Gifted School and the author is Bruce Halsinger. All I'm going to say is that think of Big Little Lies, add in some standardized testing, and you've got The Gifted School. I want to check this out. I love books set around these like really elite boarding schools. And this one seems a little different because it has to do with younger kids and their parents as opposed to kind of snooty high school students. So we will see. It's The Gifted School by Bruce Halsinger. Now this last book is right up my alley for so many reasons. It's called We Walk the Sky, and the author is Elisa Fiedler. It's a young adult novel which is supposedly perfect for fans of This Is Us. I have never watched This Is Us. I know that my partner really likes it, um, but I've never seen it, so I can't say. But this is a multi-generational story set against the backdrop of a circus. Now, as far as I knew, like circuses were not a big thing these days, but this starts in the 1960s and ends in something pretty close to present day. So I'm not quite sure about the circuses, but it's about a grandmother um, who joins the circus in 1965 when she herself is a teenager and her granddaughter who leaves the circus 50 years later. So yeah, I am pretty excited about this. I love circus books. Um, the Life She Was Given by Ellen Marie Wiseman remains one of my very favorite books, as does Sarah Gruen's Water for Elephants. So I am hoping for something utterly fantastic here. It, once again, is We Walk the Sky by Lisa Fiedler. All right, that does it for me. Again, I apologize for the meows in the background. Um, hopefully they were not too distracting. And... I hope that I have managed to expand your TBR list this week. And of course, I hope that you have loved the interview with Claire McIntosh. As I said, it was so much fun to do.
If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.